Psalms 119.11 states that when God's Word is stored up in our hearts, it protects us from sinning against God. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope you do, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We've entered into the final section of our study of 1 Peter, which outlines for us the seventh and final way that we as believers are to navigate in this world for the glory of God. And Peter's message in these five verses is clear that we're not to navigate these final days alone. We're to navigate them together, side by side, as fellow pilgrims together, walking along the same path leading to glory. Hebrews 10.25 tells us that we should not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but we should be encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing nearer. And we are to navigate the terrain of this present world together in community surrounded by fellow believers in a local church. And that's why Peter finishes his letter on Essential Christianity 101 with this passage. With the passage that's all about how we as believers should work together in the context of a local church. Or as Peter puts it here in verse 7, in the context of a properly functioning flock. As we examined this last week, that one of the ways that God pictures us as believers is as individual sheep that belong to his flock as he is our shepherd. As Psalms 100 verse 3 says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And by calling us his sheep, God communicates two things. First, he communicates our valuableness, that we belong to him. Just like a lost coin is valuable to a widow, or a lost son is valuable to a father, so also a lost sheep is valuable to a shepherd. And a shepherd will go to great lengths to save, to protect, and to care for his sheep. And just like a good shepherd, God has done exactly that. He has laid down His own life for His sheep. We see that in Christ Jesus. And He has rescued us by His own blood. Because of our nature and by our choice, we were sinners against God. And yet God did not let us continue wander towards destruction. He sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. Because He is, He has the heart of a shepherd. And so by calling us His sheep, God communicates our value to Him. And He also communicates our neediness. We need shepherding. Left to ourselves, just like sheep, we are prone to get lost. We are prone to go our own way. And we are prone to plunge ourselves into needless pain and destruction. We need shepherding. And so God has given shepherding gifts to His people. He's given us first and most obviously His Word to serve as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Second, He's given us His Spirit who brings to our remembrance God's Word that's been taught to us and says this is the way, walk in it. Third, He has given us His Son as we've already seen in the book of 1 Peter who has left us as an example, the very embodiment of obedience so that we can follow in His steps. Fourth, God has given us His people who come alongside of us to counsel us and encourage us by speaking to us the truth in love. And then finally, God has given us His under-shepherds, pastors, elders, overseers, who feed us and lead us in the truth of God's Word. And it's that final gift 
the gift of under-shepherds, of pastors, elders, and overseers that Peter focuses on here in 1 Peter chapter 5. In a properly functioning flock, you're going to have the shepherds shepherding. But Peter makes it very clear that they've got to be shepherding properly if they're to be benefit to the flock of God, which means they've got to stay focused on their assignment, on their attitude, and on their reward. Last week we saw how Peter encouraged his fellow elders, pastors, and overseers to stay focused on their assignment. When he wrote in verse 1, in the beginning of verse 2, he says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. That is the assignment of the elders. It is to shepherd, to feed, to guide the people of God by the Word of God and to exercise oversight, to get the big picture view from Scripture of where a body of believers ought to go and then to patiently help the individuals of the church along those right paths for the glory of God. So shepherds are to stay focused on that assignment. It's very easy in ministry to get distracted by a thousand other things, but that is the assignment set before every shepherd. And every shepherd we're going to look out, we're going to see today, is going to stand before Christ someday and give an account of whether they stayed focused on that assignment and did not get distracted by lesser things. And as they stay focused on their assignment of serving, we're going to see this morning that they are also to stay focused on their attitude while serving. Their attitude while they're carrying out this assignment. We're going to see that in verses at the end of verse 2 into verse 3. And then after that, we're going to see how shepherds are to stay focused on their award in verse 4. And it has nothing to do, by the way, with receiving glory and honor from any men. It's all about receiving glory and honor from Christ alone someday as we stand before Him. So this is the first ingredient of a properly functioning flock. It is when shepherds are shepherding properly by staying focused on their assignment, focused on their attitude, and focused on their awards. So with that in mind, please stand with me out of honor for the Word of God as I read 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5. The Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words to us. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the Word of God, whose precepts we meditate on whose ways we fix our eyes on. Let's pray. Father, we come before You as Your people and the sheep of Your pasture. We thank You, Father, that when we were going our own way in our sin, Jesus Christ became 
our shepherd and overseer of our souls. So that we have found healing in His name. Father, we also acknowledge this morning that though we have found salvation in the name of Christ, that we are not yet entered into His presence. That You have set us for, your, for the sake of Your great name on a pilgrimage from where we are to where we will be one day forever. And Father, we acknowledge that we don't get there in our own strength. We get there because You guide us and You lead us and You shepherd us along the way by many means and by many tools. And so Father, I pray as we come before Your Word today that Your Spirit would teach us Your truth. I pray, Father, that we as Your people would hear Your Word and receive it in our hearts. I pray that I, as the teacher, would teach it clearly and correctly for the sake of Your name and for the sake of the good of Your people. We pray that from this moment till the end that You would shepherd Your people by Your grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. So after Peter encourages the elders of those persecuted Christians to stay focused on their assignment in the midst of the trials that they were going through, to keep on shepherding the flock of God in the midst of their hardships, and to keep on exercising oversight even when it became difficult, Peter then encourages them as a fellow elder to stay focused on their attitude their attitude while carrying out this assignment. Because God is not only concerned about what we do, He is also concerned about how we do it and why we do it. And that's the second way that shepherds are to shepherd properly for the sake of God's people in the church. And that is not only to stay focused on your assignment, but also second, to stay focused on your attitude. And that's at the end of verse 2 into verse 3. Peter begins at the end of verse 2 by telling those Leaders, by those elders, leaders make sure that you first lead gladly and not grudgingly. That's at the end of verse 2. Peter tells those elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight. Well, how? Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. So this is very familiar to what Paul states over on in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, when he wrote over there, each one must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. Peter tells us here that that same principle applies to those who are in positions of spiritual leadership. When leaders lead, they ought to lead gladly, not glumly or grudgingly. They ought to lead or engage and engage in the shepherding ministry not because they feel that they have to but because they want to see the first and foremost qualification of being an elder or of a teacher or of a spiritual shepherd among the church is first and foremost aspiration desire Think about it. Of all the biblical qualifications for an elder that are mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 3, they all begin in verse 1 with, if anyone, what? Aspires to the office of overseer, he what? Desires 
a noble task. You see, they must aspire to the work. They must desire it. Now, there's a lot more to it than just that, but nevertheless, I want to, be, I want to remind you this morning that it all begins there in the heart with a desire and with an aspiration to know God's Word, to teach God's Word, to lead others in God's Word. Not because they have to, but because they want to. And you know what that means? Here's a practical application. If eldering all begins with aspiration, then that means this. Elders will be eldering before they're ever elders. In other words, the church will never have to ask men, hey, would you mind stepping up? Would you mind to start studying God's Word more deeply? Would you mind start teaching God's Word more regularly? Would you mind stepping up and start showing hospitality to God's people more openly? A church will never have to do that if they're thinking about spiritual leadership correctly because elders will be eldering before they're ever elders. They'll be discovering biblical doctrine and studying truth deeply. Why? Because they want to right they'll be teaching and they'll be counseling others in god's word because they what they want to they'll be praying for the burdens of god's people both individually and corporately why because they want to they'll be reaching out to and showing hospitality to others in the church why because they want to do it And they'll keep on doing those things, whether they are elders or not, because these are the things that they love. They love God's Word. And they love God's people. And they love bringing those two things together in the task of biblical shepherding. And just so you know, this is our mindset as elders in identifying future leaders for a church. First, we don't look for people who don't want to be elders. For people who have to be coerced into the position. If you don't have the desire at this time, then you don't have the qualification. And that's okay, right? So we don't look for people who don't want to be elders. And second, we don't even look for people who want to be elders. (laughs) In other words, who want the position but aren't already doing the work. We look for elders who are already eldering whose affections are already filling their minds with God's Word, their lips with God's wisdom, their hearts with God's truth, and their homes with God's people. We look for elders who are already eldering. Because our job as a church is not ultimately to make elders. Only God ultimately can do that. Our job as a church and as spiritual leaders is to simply identify them. And so if you're interested in knowing more about this approach, I'd highly encourage you to check out a book on our pastor's shelf outside my office as you're leaving today. It's a book called The Path to to Becoming a Pastor by Bobby Jameson, and it's an excellent book. There the author makes the very same point that Peter's making here, that the task of shepherding and eldering and pastoring all begins with desire and aspiring to do the work. And it continues on with that same desire as well. And that's what Peter says here. It should not be done how? Out of compulsion, but what? willingly because this is how god would have you to do it right i mean just like philemon's 14 teaches doing good should not be by outward compulsion but of our own accord that's how god desires us to live our christian life and to fulfill his purposes for our lives it is willingly out of our own accord out of our own heart so god not only wants elders to be doing the work of a shepherd he wants us to have the heart of a shepherd as well Those who say with Christ in John 4.34, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. God wants shepherds who stay focused on their attitude, which means that they're going to be leading gladly, not grudgingly. 
And second, it means to lead sacrificially and not shame selfishly. It says there at the end of verse 2, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And we already know from 1 Timothy 5, 17-18 that, a church's, that from a church's outlook on things, a laborer is worthy of his wages. But Peter's point here is that from a shepherd's perspective, the desire for personal gain or advantage ought to never be present in his mind. Titus 1.7 says this, An overseer as God's steward must never be greedy for gain. And so if you're desiring the position of elder or leader in a church because you want to gain something, whether riches or influence or recognition or control, you have got the wrong attitude. The only proper motivation should not be to gain something more, but to give something more. This is the heart of a shepherd. Why? Because this was the heart of Christ. When He left glory and came to earth to be the Good Shepherd, did He have in His mind to gain anything? He gave in His mind to give Himself as a ransom for many. And God desires His under-shepherds to have that same heart. To give something more. Namely, to give more of myself and my time to the ministry of God's Word and to God's people. So church member, why, if this is you this morning, I want you to think about why do you want to become a leader in the church? Or church leader, maybe I can ask you this question, why do you want to stay a leader in the church? Well, I want to be a leader so I can have more control, so I can have more of an influence, so that I can do more things the way I think they should be done then brother, God does not want you in leadership. Oh, I want to be a leader because I love serving so much and I want to do it more. I want to see others learn and grow, change and succeed. I I love serving God's people so much, I want to spend more time with them. 2 Corinthians 1.24 states, we don't lord over your faith. We work with you for your own joy so that you may stand firm in your faith. That's the heart of a true shepherd. And so as Romans 12, verse 11 states, don't be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. It's never to get more. It's always to give more. It's never to gain something. It's always to give something. God wants shepherds who stay focused on their attitudes. Lead gladly, not grudgingly. Lead sacrificially, not selfishly. And finally, lead demonstrably and not domineeringly it's a verse three where it says not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock now to be domineering in your approach to shepherding with an attitude of i'm in leadership so whatever i say always goes is a result of pride it's a result of being puffed up with conceit as first timothy 3 6 says that is someone who is not open to suggestions ideas or discussions they know they're right and they're not willing to hear anything else now That is wrong. Now, I need to be clear. That does not mean that you're always going to do everybody's suggestions or ideas in leadership, but at the heart, you ought to be open to them, right? As James 3.17 says, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. And so whenever anybody in the church tries to lord over the flock, you're going to fall into the combination of the devil because there is but one Lord of the church and he suffers no rivals. If you or I think that any section, any structure, 
any aspect, any element, or any program of this church belongs to you in any way, shape, or form, that you have a claim to any of it, you have entirely missed the very heart of ministry. This church and any church does not belong to any one of us. It belongs to Christ to accomplish His purposes, His mission, His priorities. And we as church leaders lend weight to our leadership, not by authoritarian insistence and control, but by slow, consistent, humble, exemplary living and teaching. As 1 Timothy 4.12 states, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. This is how leaders lead in the kingdom of God. It's very different than the leadership that you'll see in boardrooms and in businesses and in government and in our culture. And we must know this. You might be a great leader in your business and you could be awful in the church because God calls for a different type of leadership among His people. Jesus made this very clear in Mark 10, 42-45. He said, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles do what? Lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority down over and upon them. But it shall not be so among you. For whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must become slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus clothed Himself in humility and He did the work of a servant. And even those in spiritual leadership, that's what we're called to as well. That's why we're here. An elder, shepherd, and overseer must lead by example so that other believers can observe and follow the same Lord that He follows also. Just as John the Baptist demonstrated with Christ. He must increase. I must, what? Decrease. So stay focused, shepherds, on your attitude. Lead gladly, not grudgingly. Lead sacrificially, not selfishly. Lead demonstrably, not domineeringly. Stay focused on your attitude. So stay focused on your assignment. Stay focused on your attitude. Finally, if shepherds are going to shepherd the church of God properly in following Christ's own footsteps, then elders need to stay focused on their award. And that's in verse 4. Apostle Peter writes, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You see, this is the reality of spiritual leadership. It is recognizing that you are but an under-shepherd beneath someone who is the chief shepherd. And that your task as an elder, a pastor, or a teacher is not to invent, reinvent the wheel. It is to follow in Christ's footsteps. And as you follow in Christ's footsteps, what you're desiring is to become more and more like Jesus. To become like the chief shepherd. 
And here in verse 4, Peter reminds us, what's the motivation for shepherding the flock of God in the face of difficulty, persecution, hardship, and resistance? What's the motivation to keep the right attitude, even when it would be so easy to acquire a wrong one? What's the motivation to remain faithful and to be a biblical leader who keeps on leading as Christ leads? It is to keep your eye on the real reward. The real reward. And that is when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. What a reminder again. We're end time exiles. And here Peter reminds the elders, look to what is to come. The chief shepherd will appear and in that day you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You see, one day soon, we are going to stand before someone who is the head of the church. And he's going to ask all his under-shepherds, did you act as the leader of the church as you ought to have acted? Did you shepherd as I would have shepherded? Did you have your mind and your attention and your priorities and your attitude on where it ought to be? Or did you start looking to the world in how to pastor and how to teach? Because if we do stay focused on this, if we stay focused on our assignment and our attitude, we will receive from the chief shepherd, the great pastor, the unfading crown of glory. And that is what we as church leaders in any position, and by the way, as believers, we should live for this. We as church leaders can't look for and we cannot expect any earthly rewards, recognitions, or results. And we as believers should not either in this life. Our task is to simply be faithful tools in the chief shepherd's hand and to look forward to our future reward and inheritance, as Peter said back in chapter 1, verse 4, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, reserved in heaven for you. Just to be able to hear one day, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. Now I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. You know, if you or I can hear that at the end of the day, then it doesn't matter what anyone else on planet Earth ever thought about our lives or ministry. All that matters is Jesus and what he thinks. All that matters was that Christ was the one who was pleased. And that is what we're to live for. As 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9 says, So that whether we are at home or away, we always make it our aim to please the Lord. So sometimes spiritual leaders, just so you know, as members who are having to operate underneath them, that means that sometimes spiritual leaders are going to say yes when you really, really, really wish they would say no. And that means that sometimes spiritual leaders are going to say no when sometimes you really, really wish they'd say yes. (laughs) Because as under-shepherds, we must serve for the audience and the approval of one The chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, who will examine with perfect examination our work someday soon. As Galatians 1 verse 10 states, Am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I still trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, 
I could never be called a servant of Christ. Church leaders, like all believers, are to live for an audience of one. And the only thing that will keep us all centered through the shifting storms of people's opinions and desires about how we ought to be doing things and how we ought to be living is to keep our eye on the chief shepherd's certain and unchanging award, the unfading crown of glory. See, this is what Scripture promises, even though it blows your mind to think about it. I mean, here we are. We were the ones that had to be born again, right? We were so dead in our trespasses and sins. It's not that we needed reform. We needed renewal. We needed brand new life. We needed to be born again. We are sinners. That is who we are. We are undeserving to enter into heaven's glories. And yet here we are reminded that if we stay focused on what Christ has called us to, there is that award that is setting before us, the unfading crown of glory. Glory that surpasses anybody's opinions here on earth. This is what Scripture promises, that at the end of this marathon, when you're gasping for breath, that at the end of this pilgrim's journey, when you wonder, how many more hills must I climb? At the end of it all, we will be crowned as victors by Christ Himself with incorruptible, unfading life, righteousness, joy, and glory. And Peter reminds us, that's what you ought to be living for. It's not the opinions of your family members. It's not the applause of people around you. It is the reward, the glory that comes from the King of glory Himself. And we are to live for that. Think about it. You have no other award set before you that is grand as the crown of glory. What else do you have in your life that will last forever think about it what are you seeking today that will last forever the answer is nothing in this world nothing i mean what do you have that lasts forever the answer is nothing Every weekend I'm reminded by my honey to-do list. Nothing lasts forever. Everything's breaking down eventually, right? And the more kids you have, the faster they break down. So what are you seeking after that you think is so important to your life? What are you seeking after that will last forever? Degrees on a wall? Money in the bank? The government will take care of that. Accolades from men? Listen, the only thing that will ever last forever is the crown that Jesus gives to all faithful believers, pastors and elders included. So shepherds and all God's people, stay focused on that. Stay focused on your reward. Just as Christ the chief shepherd tells us to in John 5.44, seek not the glory that comes from men. Seek rather the glory that comes from God. So stay focused on your assignment. Stay focused on your attitude. Stay focused on your award. For when you have shepherds that are shepherding in this way, then the believers of the church are encouraged 
in their pilgrimage to make it to glory, to rely on God, to keep their eyes fixed on Christ Jesus because they have spiritual shepherds who are among them doing exactly that, who are focused on glory, the glory that comes from Christ alone. This is, this is what every church needs. This is what Grace Chapel needs. It needs shepherds who are shepherding who are reminded and who are following and staying focused on their assignment, on their attitude, and on their award. When shepherds shepherds in this way, we have the first essential ingredient of a properly functioning flock. There are two more ingredients that we'll look at next time in our study, but this is the first element. Shepherds who lead the way by staying focused on the assignment, on the attitude. And on the award. So, to those who aspire to leadership in a local church, maybe Grace Chapel, I want to remind you all this morning that this is what it's all about. It's about staying focused on your assignment. I don't care your leadership skills. Do you know the Word of God? Do you know the Word of God? Stay focused on your assignment. Stay focused on your attitude. What are you wanting in this leadership position? Why do you want it? Do you love God's Word and God's people? Will you do it because you want to, not because you feel like you have to? And stay focused on your award. At the end of the day, there is a sure and certain reward for all those who are faithful. It is the unfading crown of glory. So to those who aspire to leadership in a local church, this is what it's all about. To those who are engaged in leadership in a local church, Let us both be encouraged and examine our lives against these things. Am I keeping my assignment, the main thing that I'm doing throughout the week? Am I focused on other things? Is my attitude towards ministry, towards God's Word, towards God's people started to slip from delight into duty? And is my award remaining focused? Am I serving for the pleasure of men or am I serving for the pleasure of God alone? And then to all of us, as those of us who have to respond to leadership in a local church each and every day, let us do so in such a way that recognizes God's grand purpose and design in leadership so that the work of those who lead us may be much more than just duty, but delight, that they may do it with joy. So that Grace Chapel may continue to be a functioning flock with shepherds who are shepherding biblically, focused on Christ. As the hymn writer wrote, closing prayer for this passage, O breath of life, come sweeping through us. Revive your church with life and power. O breath of life, come cleanse, renew us, and fit your church to meet this hour. We'll have to look at the final two elements of a properly functioning flock next time. But for now, this is the word of God from 1 Peter 5, 2-4, which I commit to your further study and your faithful obedience until Christ, who is our shepherd, our glory, and our very great reward returns. To that end, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your gifts of shepherding. I think of all the times, Father, when I have been dealing with an issue and your word has been a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
Father, I thank You for Your Spirit. How many times that I've gone through life I've been faced with difficulty and all of a sudden my mind remembers Your truth. I thank You, Father, for the gift of Your people. How many times in my life where I've been downcast and discouraged and You have brought a fellow brother or sister in Christ alongside who has shared the truth with me in love. Father, I thank You for the gift of under-shepherds. Think of all those different times in my life when I've been seeking to grow and to mature and to conquer sin and I have had one of those under-shepherds come alongside and encourage me in the faith and make me stand strong. Father, we thank You for how You are the Good Shepherd and how You guide us through life and on this pilgrimage. Father, I pray that You would have us as a church appreciate all these gifts And Father, help us to remember the importance of them. I pray that we would pray for those who are in authority over us, even in the church. I pray that You would help us who are in authority to stay focused on our assignment and our attitude. Father, help us to stay focused on our award so that we might be faithful stewards. I pray, Father, that You would be with all of us. Help us to recognize that leadership is not something to detest, but something to rejoice in. And help us to be thankful for those in authority over us. Help us to encourage them. Help us, Father, to uh, aspire as a church to be a properly functioning flock where the shepherds are following the chief shepherd's example in how they lead your people. Give us grace to do that, Father. We pray in these days for the sake, the salvation of the lost and for the glory of Your great name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.